Hey George, that's a pretty good start, but we think a redo's necessary. The next film's gotta have lots of hearts, so we hire this writer named Larry. And he's gonna pen the friggin' greatest sequel of all dang time. And he's gonna turn this thing on its head with one quick line. I am your father. It's season two of Recorder 66. Season two, and we're starting quickly. It's season two of your favorite podcast. Now let's get to talking Empire Strikes Back. So we start off with the crawl. Our rebels are on the ice planet of Hoth. And the Empire is chasing after the Rebels and Luke Skywalker. And Vader is quite obsessed with tracking down Luke especially. Luke is out on a tauntaun on Hoth looking for life forms with Han. Han decides to go back. Luke decides he's going to stay out there a little longer. Luke wants to investigate this uh, meteor that crashed into the snow. And Han's like, I'm going back. It's all good. And uh, he gets into some kind of sexually tense, but mostly just frustrating conversations with Leia back at the base. He says uh, he's going to leave because he has to pay off his debt to Jabba. And if he sticks around too much longer, things are going to get bad for him. But as he goes back into the main hangar, uh, it occurs to him, Luke hasn't come back and it's getting dark, which is very unsettling. And he realizes, I probably should go look for my friend Luke. So he goes out and looks for his friend Luke. Uh, we then skip to Luke and Luke is... Uh, getting attacked by a wampa and he gets dragged to the wampa's lair where he's hung upside down to what we assume be his next meal conveniently he sees his lightsaber has fallen off of his belt and is lying in a snowbank off to the side and it occurs to him maybe he can concentrate really hard and use the force get that lightsaber and slash himself down and then kill that wampa and get the f out of there which is exactly what he does and he does exactly that goes out into the snowstorm and then you know catches hypothermia and sees force ghost obi-wan kenobi who tells him to go to dagobah system and meet yoda Conveniently, Han finds him, finds him probably just as he is about to freeze to death, slices open the Tauntaun that died of hypothermia anyway. They hide inside for warmth until morning uh, when a pilot from the rebel base finds them and brings them back to the base. Yes, Luke is put in a back-to-tank to heal, uh, and when he's taken out of the tank uh, from there on, uh, Han is extremely happy that he's doing okay, even to the point where he's okay with Leia giving Luke a huge incestual kiss. And there's more sexually tense bickering between between the two of them uh, and we cut to the uh, Imperial base which is no longer the Death Star where they seem to have figured out that sure enough the rebel base is indeed on Hoth and that's where it left us oh my god this movie is so much better <laughs> this is such a better film it's such a good movie it well I mean we knew this already yes obviously but it's, it's just the greatest it, movie it looks period. so great it looks so great yeah the quality is really upped but the one thing that I kind of find interesting about this is Yes, the quality's higher, but they took more risks. And because it's also such like higher quality and the production value is so much higher, there are certain things that they went for that didn't land. They went for things beyond their capacity, like Tauntauns, for example. Because Tauntauns look a little glitchy. Like Tauntauns look great, actually, up close. I, mean, yeah. I was just absolutely blown away I agree. just in terms of just how good they still look yeah because that's but, a that's a that's like a tactile puppet or costume or yeah. something right but from a distance it's so it's like the worst version of like outdated cgi is you it could imagine is it animated it's when? some form of animation it has to be it's very be glitchy because it's glitchy and especially the aerial shots on, on like the big ice 
Fields of Hoth, that's when you can really see, like, it looks like an animated little horsey. Yeah. And my favorite part was, I didn't realize that Tauntauns are actually very much one with the Force. No. So Tauntauns have the ability to Force project. Uh, and the only reason why I'm saying this is because the Tauntauns didn't actually make footprints in the snow. Oh, so I'm not actually serious. I'm joking. But <laughs> they like that, this entire huge part of The Last Jedi, the middle movie of the this current trilogy we're in, everything is reliable. Like you have this big moment and this big twist great on footprints. great twist about footprints. And in the first five minutes of Empire Strikes Back, the best Star Wars movie ever, there's the huge flaw of these Tauntauns running through fields of snow, leaving no footprints at all. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> that's so funny. And I picked up on exactly the same thing, but you're right. The production value is so much stronger. And I mean, like, it's just because they have so much more money. Star Wars might have only ended up being a B-movie originally, but this thing was already going to be a hit. Absolutely. Because of how big of a cult hit the original movie was. So they had the money to hire a better screenwriter, a better director. And I don't even know who the director is. Uh, the director's uh, Irving Kirshner. The unfortunate thing for this guy is he's out there uh, on dates with the ladies, and they're like, so what do you do? And he's like, oh, I directed the best Star Wars movie. And they're like, shut up. <laughs> I've never heard of you ever. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's he definitely doesn't get the same credit that Lawrence Kasdan does, for example. But directorially, like you said, that aerial shot, like I don't know if they're using drones in the 80s or if they've got a helicopter or something, but there is a big aerial shot that looks nothing, cinematographically, it looks nothing like the original Star Wars. It looks movie. nothing like Star Wars, period. That's sort of true. That's one thing I did notice is it did, it did feel more out of Star Wars. Now, everything else for Hoth is perfect because for me, like growing up, Hoth was, was my plan. Planet. Me Hoth too, is, and I, what I love the most. I figured out why that is. Is because we're Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's more broadly what I was getting at. But like when you're playing in the snow, it's the easiest one to latch onto. Yeah, that's a good believe. point. That's fair. So yeah, it's you, you put on a snowsuit and you get to kind of feel like Han Solo in his kick-ass snowsuit. Yeah, that's a fair way of putting it. Which that makes a lot of sense. Specifically, the Han Solo action figure that I had as that a child. That is true. Hoth Han. Hoth Han. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that's that's one element that I mean Hoth just had this cool this coolness to it that really no other planet's captured since. And Hoth and I think a lot of people agree with the elements of like Hoth really having like being the reason why Empire like one of kind of those leading reasons why Empire is so great is here's an example of just this crazy new world building. Yeah, we mm -hmm. saw some cool world building in the first movie, but Hoth is really like this kind of new approach to it. We saw Tatooine, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, Bespin's even more so. And I think the, really the world building with Dagobah, like these three new places introduced in Empire are really what drive so much of it. I think the three of them together... Yes, that's what I mean. I think they blow the Star Wars universe wide open, but I don't think there is great world building uh, unique to Hoth. It's certainly not the way there is on Bespin, which does a, a, I mean, a fabulous job. I actually think Hoth, for how exciting and mysterious it is, is kind of lacking in that there is nothing else to say about it. Like, is there a city on Hoth? I would, no, it's desolate. Okay. No, but that's what's... It's just... It's It makes for this great battle... And it's just a very cool setting. And right. I, the Wampa scene was probably my favorite scene from the f like all three of the original Julie movies when Do I was a kid. Do you feel like he holds up? 
Oh, the Wampa? Absolutely. The Wampa's fucking terrifying. He looks pretty scary, he doesn't gr- he? He's like, just like, he's gross. Yeah. And he's scary and he growls in a way that's a little bit terrifying. It's gurgling and the slobbery noise that he makes as he sucks on the bones of the taunt. Like, it's really gross. He's basically an abominable snowman. Yep. Is he uh, a solo entity? Does he have a clan or a family or anything? Because, or like, the impression we get from the rebels is that he is one in a million. Like, maybe it's another one of those creatures. Princess, we have a visitor. We picked up something outside the base of Zone 12 moving east. It's metal. Then it couldn't be one of those creatures. Could be a speeder, one of ours. No. Yeah, I don't really know. I, I, I kind of got that same sort of abominable snowman vibe where maybe it's sort of like a, like a mythical sort of creature, one that's not as common. I actually didn't uh, do my research on wampas in that regard. I don't know a whole lot about them in that, really. All right. So that bodes well for my trivia segment. Shit. <laughs> you have to do your research, Ross. Why don't we start with Padawan questions? We'll space them out. Okay, sure. All right, my Padawan, my Padawan question for you, Ross. The rebel pilot who finds Han and Luke the next morning is what flight number? Rogue 2. Rogue 2, isn't that interesting? And he says it like 16 times. This is Rogue 2. This is Rogue 2. Well, it's Rogue 2. Uh, we'll see in the, next, uh, in the next 20, Luke's rogue leader, so... Um, yeah, Does that the, make him Rogue One? Well, no. Rogue One being the very first ever. That's why they kind of... My guess is they've retired Rogue One. So that's why they go with Rogue Leader. I guess. <laughs> Except do the Rebels know anything about Rogue One? Or is that a completely... Uh... So there aren't real... There isn't a whole lot of canon between A New Hope and Empire. There's a bit. But it's an area that it hasn't been explored a ton. It's been Good. explored a lot in, blow com- it open. in comics. Yeah. Uh, it's only three years. So there's not tons you can do. But I don't really know the comics a whole lot. But I do know that... Uh, Luke does learn the story of Jyn Erso and the sacrifice of that group of rebellion yeah. uh, and just how like the impact that that made and how that was really kind of the triggering moment um, that led to his, like how it's Jyn Erso and Luke Skywalker, two people that never met, but the two people most responsible for, like I throw Leia in there as well, the three people most responsible for blowing up the Death Star. Right, but Luke and Jyn Erso are kind of the the, the pirates. Yeah, like absolutely. she's very official. She's part of the she's part of the leaders. She's literally royalty. Uh, she's the conduit as well. She's the one who hands the information from Jyn to Luke in a way, indirectly. Le- Leia is really. I mean, she's she's a princess and she's a general later on, and she's like a military person. She's a diplomat mm-hmm. more than anything else. I think absolutely, and just like her father. Yep, I think that's true. And her mother. Her mother, I don't know anything about Mrs. Organa. Well, no, I mean her real mother. Oh, okay, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of an interesting element there is how much she reflects kind of similar sort of traits. Yes. Um, as someone who's able to hold their own with the way um, Padme does in Attack of the Clones, for example. Now, you mentioned the Wampa is legitimately scary. Yeah. How scary is Vader all of a sudden? Vader's suit is slimmer. He got his helmet cleaned so clean. and polished. Yeah. Oh my God, it looks awesome. That first shot of him. And they knew he looked better too. Oh yeah. They made a show of him turning around. Yeah. And he's like looking out the window and you could like see a reflection somehow through 30 years of cinema history mm-hmm. in the back of his helmet. And he just looks beautiful. Yeah. He's so menacing and he's not clunky or kind of goofy. Is the his same voice way different? Is his voice like a little deeper? It, it's a little maybe angrier? Yeah. You found something. Yes, ma'am. That's it. The rebels are there. Or a little bit more, but we don't hear a whole lot in the 20. Um, but just in general, Darth Vader is far more menacing 
uh, in this movie, right. just start to finish. I mean, right. he like putting out the way he is when he takes the gun from Han on Bespin, mm-hmm. like that is some serious, that's some swagger that Darth Vader really shows in this movie that he doesn't really show in the last one. Which he's, is, he's kind of this like crazy evil wizard that even some of the people within the empire don't even respect, don't even respect. Yeah. And that's kind of the same here. Ozzel doesn't really give him respect the way that the others do, but very soon they're all going to realize uh, how that's not the right idea. Who is Ozzel? Ozzel is the chintzy little mustache uh, member of the empire. The Louis CK looking guy. Uh, yeah, ish. I'd yeah. say. Well, who's the, the only, guy? the only one who could look like Louis CK. Cause he's one of the only ones with a mustache. And general Veer is the other one. General Veer, v- Veers is the, yeah, he's, uh, and he's then, the new Tarkin. Well, for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then there's uh, Piet who was the, uh, the one who specifically noticed the life on Hoth. Right. Okay. Now, uh, force pull. I mean, we see that a couple of times in this movie. You mentioned it with Vader and, and Han's gun. And of course, Luke, when he's freeing himself mm-hmm. from the Wampa. Is that the first time we've ever seen force pull in Star Wars? Yeah. And that's why I loved it so much as a kid. It's cool. It's like, that's, that can be done. Yeah. That's like, if that's all level. the force does, I'm in. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed this time that I'd never noticed before was how the lightsaber keeps changing position in the snow. It's insane. Yeah. It's completely buried, and then in one shot, it's sitting on top of the snow. Right. So it's back and forth the entire time. You couldn't see any chicken wire or fishing line or anything tugging on that lightsaber? Uh, no, I didn't see it. Did you? Me neither, no. No, it looked no. good. I figured it had to be there, but yeah, maybe, maybe it was taken out for the version we were looking at, too. Well, I, who knows? You can kind of hide those things. It's pretty bright and white there, too, so that's little things like that can kind of get very lost true. in the fold. How does Luke know that he can do force pull? He you can kind of see it on his face. You can kind of see him decide, okay, I'm going to cool. I'm going to cool it, and I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to get this thing to me. Mm. And, like, I mean, unless there was some private conversation with Ben... Well, that's kind of one thing that I was curious about. There's three years here, and I don't know if Obi-Wan's come to Luke since A New Hope. He hasn't. Not not visually. Well, it, it doesn't seem to be that way, and, or else that's kind of a key plot point. But why wait three years before telling the kid how to find Yoda or telling him how to expand his powers? I mean, really? I mean... Uh, yeah, maybe maybe... It seems like a poor use of The Last Jedi. <laughs> right. Maybe Ben just came to him knowing, look, I need to give Luke something to strive for or he's going to friggin' die right now. Oh, maybe. I need to speed this up. Yeah. He he, he does. He definitely has patience. We know that for sure. <laughs> yes. Hello and, there. Yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe I guess, the, the fact that the Re- Rebels were able to kind of keep clear of vader for a little bit as well so that yeah that's true give it some time yeah so i'm sure they had a couple encounters within there but well what has been happening between the rebels and the the empire for the last three years i don't know a whole lot to be honest yeah uh and i know Maybe everybody's just laying low kind of rebuilding licking their wounds yeah well i mean the empire's licking their wounds yeah and trying to you know kind of scramble with the fact that so many people died uh, and so many high-ranking officials would but yeah, there's probably lots of posters around the galaxy at this point being like, Vader wants you. <laughs> Uncle Vader wants you. Uncle Vader wants you. It's not going to be <laughs> Uncle Palpy. No, exactly. No, you're not going to see a creepy old Sheev. Sheev wants you. Palpy. <laughs> Sheev is probably the Sam of the galaxy far, far away. It's probably on that level of... The of, Sam? Yeah. Uncle Sam. Sheev? Sheev, yeah. I think it's probably on par for, for like commonness. 
<laughs> okay. Join me down this rabbit hole. Won't this you? is a very strange rabbit hole. Why don't you give me the your... name Sam is as common as the name Shiva. Oh yeah, I, give I, me I didn't... your Padawan question. Uh, what was Han's call sign when scouting Hoth for life forms? Oh my God. I watched it twice. This is not your Padawan question. It's literally the first line of the movie. Oh. Then I'm going to kick myself when I hear it. Maybe, maybe um, not. No. I just assumed you'd make note of the first line. I just don't remember him having like a, a call sign or is it like a like a code name? I'll give you Luke's and then you'll have a really good chance of guessing Hans. Okay. Echo 3. Ah... Uh, so is he Echo 2? No, he's Echo 7. No! <laughs> I don't remember that at all, actually. Echo 3 to Echo 7. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Doesn't really ring a bell. Those are cool nicknames. Yeah, they are. Echo and Rogue is getting way better than red and gold and green from the previous movie. Yes. <laughs> Lawrence Kasdan, you figured it out. You figured out how to make cool code names. Lawrence Kasdan, he, he had been around as a screenwriter. He was probably like... I kind of equate Lawrence Kasdan to being like like a session musician whereas like he was not like your your rock star known guy around hollywood but like the studios knew this guy is the best okay that's interesting does that make sense like we're gonna bring this guy in and he's going to he's going to fix our film he's going to make it a real movie well yeah that was the thing everybody knew lucas was no writer and Mm -hmm. he was made fun of constantly throughout a new hope Uh, for just like the ridiculous dialogue and Mark Hamill being like, I I can't say this, George. No one talks like this. I know. And who is George Lucas if not for Steven Spielberg? Like I have to think Spielberg went to bat for Lucas saying, no, guys, you got to hear him out. I know he's weird, but he actually has great ideas. No, the other way around. No kidding. Spielberg was a pariah at this time in his career. George Lucas was the only reason he got back on the map. Why? What did did Spielberg do wrong? uh, I forget what movie it was. He just made Jaws in 1974. Maybe it was, what came first, Indiana Jones? Or Indiana Jones came second. Oh, yeah, it came out yeah. in like 1981. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So this was after, and uh, I forget what the movie was. So there's something late 70s where Spielberg was kind of... Oh, he just used up every dollar the producers had and went over budget over time every way. No one would touch him with a 30-foot pole. Interesting. And he wanted to do a Bond movie. And Lucas said, I've got this guy who's kind of like Bond, but kind of cooler. And he's American. And his name's Indiana. Is that right? Indiana Jones was supposed to be like American James Bond? Yeah, I literally read this on Reddit today. It could not have been better timed, the fact that you brought this up. (laughs) That's actually like a pretty fabulous comparison. I know. It it really is. And so they shopped it around studios. And there were a lot of studios that were like, yeah, George, we'll do it as long as you drop Steve. And... Then eventually they came across one and they were able to get it to work and but it, like, the rest is history. It's just so weird because their resumes are so different up to this point because Lucas has made like American graffiti. Yeah. And one Star Wars movie, which to be fair was an enormous unprecedented hit. But Spielberg was already making movies like twice a year. Yeah. It must have been a matter of just not using dollars wisely. I guess. And maybe he was just costing, he was just putting... <laughs> too much of a strain on the wallets of people well maybe that's why the studios like george lucas because he was perfectly fine with really cheap looking stuff that's definitely true <laughs> uh, although he did also go over time and i think over budget on a new hope as well oh that makes sense uh, they had to rush a lot of things at the end of a new hope just because he was difficult and stubborn yes but also uh tatooine was like in tunisia it was way harder to work than they thought right so the sun was so incredibly hot that just Everything took a lot longer to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that put and that put them behind right from the beginning and also the amount of editing that they had to do <laughs> now i would say 90 percent of our quotable quotes from this first 20 are between han and leia and i'd say probably 100 percent if you want to throw in 3po yeah, he has some good ones too. Yeah, I have actually I have one Vader in there, and I think it's the rest are those three. Honestly, some of the best movie insults in history all happen back. There's three in a row that oh. are they're three of the best. They're golden movie insults in history. All three in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, so let's go through them. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Yep. Uh, I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I don't even recognize that one. I don't what? even remember hearing that before. Really? Yeah, I don't know where you get your delusions laser brain, which has nothing to do with Han, but I don't know where you get your delusions is ice cold. Well, laser brain, he may not have a laser sword, but he definitely shoots a blaster and has a ship that shoots lasers. Then Chewie laughs. He says, laugh it up, fuzzball. Yep. And he makes a really, like, really creepy uh, joke about how Leia was all over him. Yep. And she says, why you stuck up half-witted scruffy looking nerf herder. Who's scruffy looking? Yeah, oh, what a the, that is the it's best. Excellent. Yeah, no, it's it's fabulous. The whole and she's she's actually that's some of the best acting she does in the series. Like she is so mad on Hoth. Oh, I know. She has just such a pissed off look in her <laughs> eye because she and, and the the best part is and it really is funny. Han's right the entire freaking time. He's totally right. I he's thought the on, same thing. And he even says to Luke, I must hit close to the mark to get her going like that, kid. And then, of course, she kisses Luke just to rub it in his face. But at the same time, she only does that because he was literally hitting right on the mark. <laughs> he absolutely was. And in general, she's still giving him the business about uh, about being selfish and not being loyal to the rebellion. Yep. But Han is truly heroic in this first 20 constantly yeah and the concern he has for luke it's is awesome. so real it's and totally different from the first movie mm-hmm. it's like you really buy their friendship all of a sudden well, three and, years well that it's yeah, just like he calls him han old buddy, good buddy. Han old buddy. and um she gets so mad because he says i gotta go back and he's totally justified in saying look i gotta go pay this person because i am going to get assassinated yep that's not unreasonable <laughs> no that's really that's quite reasonable i mean yeah. it, it doesn't make sense why she's so she loves him. Well, yeah, I know. But like, they're also, I'm sure they could find a way to rendezvous and yes. have him meet back up with the rebellion afterwards. I Definitely. Mean, it's not that hard to coordinate. Luke found his way to freaking Bespin after. <laughs> Han's not a Jedi, but they can find a way to make it work. Well, don't get all mushy on me, princess. So long. Well, yes, your highnessness. Your highnessness is good. It, like, it's just great. The So l- condescending. <laughs> I know, it really is. And he, the highness and just the... Uh, uh, just the way he describes he'll do anything to get her goat and it's great i just as soon kiss a wookie i can arrange that he needs a good kiss oh you could use a good kiss is that what he says yes I thought he, was... he yells uh... it to her it's very very obvious that he does not mean that he means it in a different way <laughs> yeah i use... thought i thought he was talking about chewy that's crossing the line it's definitely it's not... crossing a line to yeah. workplace harassment yes it's workplace they harassment. definitely need to get the hr manager for the hoth rebel base on that your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the second marker then i'll see you in hell yeah i actually thought that that was a really stupid line I it makes it. no sense i love it it's like hey oh silver away because he's like on the tauntaun and as soon as he says it he's like onward <laughs> okay that's true that's fair it's like a cowboy line and these fair at enough. the end of the day these are westerns yep i like that that's that's well put um 
3PO talking about Han. Impossible, man. Come along, R2. Let's find Princess Leia. Between ourselves, I think Master Luke is in considerable danger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's very good. He also says, I don't have this one written down, but he says, uh, Luke is very clever for a human being. Yes, he he does say that. Uh, Let's see what it is. Master Um, Luke is pretty clever. Don't worry about Master Luke. I'm sure he'll be all right. He's quite clever, you know, for a human being. Speaking of weird stuff that 3PO says, this is on my back to the drawing board list. Do you remember what he calls Leia at one point? Oh, he did He did call her something really freaking weird. Um, he calls her Mistress Leia. Yes, it was really weird. The mistress part was the part that cut me off. Well, it is. That, that part is weird. But also, yet again, we cannot seem to get straight on what her name is. Well, also, the same thing also rings true with Han Han. Yeah, that's true. Although it's only Lando who calls him Han. Is that right? Is he the only... And I also noticed that Donald Glover called him Han in the the trailer. And I love that. Very impressed. Beautiful attention to detail. Yes, necessary. Do they have to develop that further or is that just going to be a subtle thing? I don't think you should. I mean, it's it's a bit of a slight to mispronounce someone's name to them. It's a little disrespectful. It it wouldn't shock me if it's even a little intentional when it comes to Lando. Kind of like that that, narrative trope when people are just constantly calling somebody by the wrong name. His name is Tom and they're calling him Tim Tim. just to undermine him. Yeah, intentionally just to make them look like the smaller person. Um, I want to bring those Tauntaun guts back to the drawing board. Those look like packing peanuts. uh, They look disgusting. Mm -hmm. I actually thought they looked very extraterrestrial and really gross. It's the whole concept is pretty gross. Yeah, I actually didn't think it was something that needed to go back to the drawing board. I just thought it was something that was just impressively disgusting. You know what I don't understand about Tauntauns? They are less cold resistant than humans. So why are we using them as our travel creatures? No, that was an exhaustion thing. No, it's not. It, he explicitly says your Tauntaun will freeze if you take him out well, there. Well, yes, but in terms of Han's one dying, I mean, they live on the planet. They're... I also read a scientific blog about Tauntauns to see whether or not Luke could st- survive inside a Tauntaun. Yeah. And he can't. Right. 17 minutes if he was already uh, semi-hypothermic. Certainly not overnight. And 47 minutes, no matter what his temperature was, because the Tauntaun's dead. Its body temperature would be dropping. It's a reptile, so it also doesn't retain heat very well right. in the same way. Although, maybe, maybe it was somewhere around uh, 25 to 45 minutes, because one thing they don't really show us too closely is that uh, Han has built some kind of igloo. Yeah. So, like, there's some kind of snow fort next to him while he's waving down that, that fighter pilot. Uh-huh. And, so, and there's antenna in it. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's rigged up, like, a little heating system inside this igloo. If Han was able to build that that fast, then Han deserves another medal. Oh, he's a superstar. Also, back on the Chewy thing from last time we talked about yes. uh, at the end of A New Hope, he does get a medal off screen. It is, oh, good. It is canon confirmed because apparently that was a common uh, uproar and uh, anger from the fans for a long time. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So that Chewy didn't get snubbed the way we thought. It would be insane if he didn't get a medal. Totally insane. So do you think behind the scenes they had decided yet that Luke and Leo were twins? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. I hope not. Now, I definitely think at this point, not not definitely. They definitely knew that it was the Han Leia with where they were going. In the yeah, long because run. they because they resolve that in the end of the movie. She says, "I love you." He says, "I know." Yeah, but I mean, even still, like completely ending like that love triangle, completely like already. It's that's the the that's the end game. It's over already at this point. Right. Um. 
And then that's it for like ro- yeah. romance, romance in Luke Skywalker's life, isn't it? Like, yep. And uh, like some, he's definitely a virgin w- in the Last Jedi. <laughs> well, we actually—it's interesting because the um, the book version of the Last Jedi starts off with him imagining life on Tatooine with a wife. Oh, weird. Uh, yeah, this like a, had he never gone away, exactly. He just lived the simple life. Yeah, and so just in terms of what life would have been like under those circumstances, and in the old EU in Legends, Mara Jade was his wife. Right. Uh, and she's we'll, evil, right? She goes bad? Well, no. So Mara Jade was initially uh, evil in terms of she was the Emperor's Hand was her title. Uh, so the Emperor had her as an assassin to hunt down and kill Luke Skywalker. Okay. She went rogue and fell in love with Luke Skywalker instead uh, and then uh, became a Jedi Master with his academy and uh, went on to train that way. And I think she was killed by... Uh, she was killed by, I think, her nephew. I think, well, I think maybe Jason Solo, who is who is essentially ben what, Solo. what Ben Solo has become. Exactly. But Jason Solo is a hundred percent decanonized character. Yes, they actually. So made, is Mara Jade. Uh, well, this is an interesting thing. Jason has become canon again in terms of uh, a character was introduced at the end of Rebels with the name Jason. Okay. So they brought that name back to canon because they knew they scrapped it. Luke's kid initially was named Ben. They shifted that to Han's kid. So right. they, they just shifted things around a lot. And it's interesting what they're doing because Kira, which was a name that Lucas, George Lucas had initially put out there to be uh, the female lead of episode seven. It was with, with that, a Q. Uh, no, initially with a K. Okay. Uh, and that was the female lead for episode seven. And that's what Ray was listed as for casting calls, Kira. Oh, interesting. And then they changed it to Rey. Yep. And then they recycled Kira for a totally different character, changed how it was spelled, and used it in the solo movie now. But isn't it fair that there are just certain first names, whether they're earthly names or made-up words, that just sound Star wars Yeah, and they definitely have hit that on. And this is the cool part is Mara. So Mara is now being brought back. Cool. And so they're casting a 40 to 50-year-old woman for episode 9, codenamed Mara. Oh. So that's why people are like hypothesizing, okay, who could this be? Um, what's this? What's the character right here? Are we going for someone who's going to be similar to like Amara Jade? I mean, initially Lucas's thought on Akira character became Rey and the, the character kind of continued on that way. Right. But the Kira that we're going to get in Solo, I don't think is anything like the initial thought. No, it's and just a name. By the sounds of things, they're recycling names here, but... I don't think they're going down the Mara Jade route. And I know that's kind of deviating to what's in the news now, but it is definitely something that's going to be interesting to think about because with no Carrie Fisher in this movie, having kind of that strong female leader uh, within the rebellion. Sure, but hang on a second. could be a cool opportunity there. Hang on a second. This is This could be huge if they want to explore the what's been going on in Luke's personal life all this time he's been gone. I think even if they decided to canonize Mara Jade, I don't think it would be as Luke's wife anymore. You don't think it would be interesting if some woman came forward and was like, where's Luke? I have his child here. Well, I think it would definitely be interesting. I don't like it in the terms of the Luke Skywalker we got in The Last Jedi should not be married. It does not work. It is not in line with the character at all. It would have been brought up. It yeah. would have been told that he abandoned in different, like, not just abandoning that's true, like his sister, but everyone else. And it really Unless would he make... Unless doesn't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and some people have already hypothesized that this Mara character will be introduced to be Rey's mother. And yeah. she could have a relation with Luke or not. Maybe Luke is Rey's father, but has never known it at all. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting way. It and is kind of, it is kind of uh, interesting that we can... 
the whole thing where your parents were were nothing, you're nobody, mm. that can remain true, and we could still find out who they are, well, and they could have significance after all. I, I think I don't think so. I think if that's if he's speaking the truth, then they're nobodies, or he's lying, and they didn't sell her, and they weren't drunks, and he's. No, I think he was telling the truth. I think but, he was but too. I think maybe that is the truth now. And they might still come forward and there might be some interesting revelation about Oh, that. like a Maury situation? <laughs> Almost. No, no, not like that. I, I, I just mean like, like you said, they might have a Luke Skywalker connection that Ben Solo doesn't know about. Yeah, maybe. That could be interesting, certainly. I mean, we all know that when he first heard of a girl, he freaked out. So yeah, he did. He could know something that maybe even Luke doesn't know. That still stands out to me. But you would think he would have taunted Luke with that in The Last Jedi. Do you and want to hear my, my mid-tier question, my Jedi Knight question? Yeah, go for it. All right. What does R2 say are Han and Luke's chances of survival? R2 or 3PO? R2 says it to 3PO, and, and yeah, 3PO translates it. it. One in 725. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Would you like my Jedi Knight question? Yes, please. Okay. Now, these are both kind of master questions, my last two. Yeah, so was your first one. No, it wasn't. You're bad at this. I am a little. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I hope you're paying attention to the details because you're going to screw me on the Wampa one, so I'll, I'll get you. All now. right. Uh, where did Han run into a bounty hunter that tried to kill him? Oh. Ass- assumedly. I'm assumedly. not going to come up with it, but I almost made a note about it because I found it interesting. I fa- I, I'm not going to come up with it. What is it? Ord Mentel. Yeah, okay. He kind of mumbled it. It was hard to hear it, yeah. but... But he just said it offhand as just a quip. And I was like, hang on, I want to hear that story. Because yeah. it's he's talking about how there's a price in his head. And this is the bounty hunter who made it very, yep. very clear that if he doesn't come pay up soon, he's coming after Han. And I want to know more about that. I just had a few more questions about uh, the first mention of Yoda in the series. Yeah. The way, the way Ben... I mean, the way Ben refers to Yoda, to Luke, is succinct, and maybe that's all that matters at this point. Mm-hmm. You will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. True, in Obi-Wan's heyday, Yoda kind of uh, was a mentor to all Jedi. Yoda trained every youngling. Right. He, or he certainly instructed, to use his word, instructed every youngling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that being confusing when The Phantom Menace came out, and suddenly there was... Qui-Gon. Wait, Obi-Wan has a master who's Liam Neeson and not Yoda? What's happening here? Yeah, no, the Jedi were trained in a way where Yoda would train them up to a certain point yeah. where they would become a, pad- a Padawan for a, a Jedi Knight or Jedi Master. Right. Um, so Obi-Wan had a, had a long relationship with Yoda. And also, it's to be assumed that, and I know there are some comics on that as well, uh, Yoda trained Obi-Wan a little bit more and definitely acted as a mentor to him after Qui-Gon died and he had to immediately take up training Anakin. Well, he couldn't just become a master. No, I mean, it was something that he definitely would have gone to Yoda on a consistent basis and Yoda was that person. Makes plenty of sense. So I, I, I definitely agree though. When we were younger, it was sort of weird because you can only have one master. It's yeah. that's the, it, did, it didn't seem right for us at that right. point. Yeah. I thought about the name Empire Strikes Back and how clinical it is. It's a terrible name. It's, it's okay, but it's like the rhythm of it. It's so... It's, 70s 80s it is well it's a very like it's even earlier than that it's like it's like a 60s war movie the empire strikes back and this is what happened next at the battle of 
It's like, it's fine. We only accept it because of the rhythm of those words in that order. They're just so ingrained in mm-hmm. us. But most Star Wars titles are not great. They're no, but, but this is a really bad one. And it's it relies based on you knowing purely the entire plot of the previous one, which I guess so many different kind of subtitles for movies in a part of a, a series. That's the case. But I don't know. That's the Empire true. Strikes Back, it seems almost like a, the title of a comic book more than it does an actual it movie. It kind of spoils the first movie, doesn't it? In three words, it spoils what happens in the first yeah, movie. Yeah, kind of in terms of like the Empire's going to get the shit like thrown at them the in this movie. Wrong. Okay, in all the Star Wars movies, what is the best title? Oh, that's a really good question. I think, what, what do you think? I think... The funny thing is it might actually be the worst movie. The Phantom Menace. Yeah. I think it probably is. I think it is. I think The Force Awakens is also a good title. The Force Awakens is a good title. I want to... It's hard to judge either of them until we've seen the full trilogy, though. You're right. And it's hard to judge any element of it, and I'm I'm starting to... I just don't like The Last Jedi. I think it kind of sounds like A New Hope in that it's missing something. It's missing a stronger word in there somewhere. I definitely agree. The Last Jedi, it's going to be pretty hard to make a case for that not being one of the weaker ones. Attack of the Clones is just a... An unf- it just is a poorly fitting title. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't suit work. The movie. I think it's a fine in the sense of I think clones make sense to use in there. Right. Uh, but it it didn't work. Revenge of the Sith is a good name. Return of the Jedi is a great name. Revenge of the Jedi would have been the worst name. Yeah. It would have made no sense for people who don't know. There's this great story where uh, Gene Raddenberry mm. was producing the Wrath of Khan at the same time as George Lucas uh, and and the other people were producing. Return of the Jedi, and they both wanted to use the word revenge in their title. Lucas wanted to make revenge of the Jedi, who knows why, and Gene Roddenberry wanted to make revenge of Khan, and they both assumed the other guy was going to use revenge, so they changed their word, and both got a better title than they initially would have had. Absolutely. I think there was another reason in addition that Wrath changed to revenge in, sorry, revenge changed to Wrath for Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but the Lucas one is, there's posters there's huge posters printed there's toy packaging with revenge of the jedi on it just it. makes no sense yeah it, it really doesn't and no. he doesn't get revenge he literally wins by not fighting right <laughs> <laughs> that is the whole point of the movie that is the premise and yes. you know you know what was really interesting and i got this one these wonderful words of wisdom from freddie prince jr uh, and I have to say, he knows the Star Wars really well, yeah. actually. Uh, it's I've watched a lot of old clips of him being on Collider Jedi Council um, and obviously talking about Kanan, uh, but the role he's had there. But he knows Star Wars through and through. He watches it with his daughter. He's a stay-at-home dad, basically. That's cool. And like he's he watches it all with her and like plays like with the lightsabers. It's great. He seems like the, the king of all Star Wars dads. Right. Um, and so Freddie Prince Jr. has a really cool outlook on Luke uh, just in terms of how he was able to accomplish what he does without fighting. How Luke sucks with a lightsaber. Yeah. Luke is shit with a lightsaber, and everybody who wants him to go out and literally take on the entire First Order with his laser sword (laughs) clearly never paid attention to the fact that Luke has always been shit with a lightsaber. He doesn't ever fight in front of anybody. He only ever fights in, like, the attic. Yeah, exactly. He fights... Vader, while well, he swings at him like with just insanity, yeah, he's and, the, not... and literally using the dark side, yes. until he decides, no, I'm not going to do that, and throws away his lightsaber. Right. When he's on the sand barge for when he's about to get killed by Jabba and put into the Sarlacc, 
he also just swings madly like a lunatic. And on Bespin, it's like Vader just starts throwing a bunch of shit at him with the Force and like breaking windows. Vader just toys with him literally the entire time because he knows he's his kid. Mm -hmm. So Luke has no history of being a good swordsman. Nope. Other than in the e, other than the expanded universe, right? And so I think it's really interesting how Luke just wins by not fighting. He yeah. is the perfect Jedi. We should preserve that. He's then? he's so much like Yoda yeah. in that way. That's fair, and and that's why Yoda. But Yoda never... is an amazing swordsman, whether we like it or not. Yes, and Yoda never should have fought in Attack of the Clones. It I should agree. have been just in Revenge of the Sith, yeah. and I think that would have had so much more power to it. Yes, um, and. Him, him losing the only fight, but still being incredible. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. Do we want a young Master Luke Skywalker uh, movie, something taking place shortly after the events of Return of the Jedi, like starring Sebastian Stan? Do we want to see more of him being a dope Jedi? I don't. Okay. Um, not in the sense, like, I, I absolutely, I know that's, a, that's, that's kind of weird. I don't want to see Sebastian Stan do a full like series or or movie or as Luke Skywalker. Right. I would be absolutely okay with him doing a flashback. I think that would be amazing. Um, even like a spot where he's not even like a major character. But if we're going to do a whole arc centered around Luke, I would feel safer with it being animation. Oh, interesting. And having Mark Hamill do the voice because Mark Hamill oh, yeah. is one of the best voice actors in the world. Go with you, I will. Really? Oh, great. It'll be easier if I can follow you. No, not follow. Carry me, you will. Carry you? Master Yoda, I can barely look out for myself up there. People really are craving a lot more Luke Skywalker. It's convenient that he's such a great voice actor. Yeah, and I just, I think that's the right way to go. But now I don't know if Mark Hamill would want to do that. But And Mark Hamill has said, oh, I'm done with Batman. Oh, I'm done with Star Wars. But that's the way Mark Hamill is. We all know Mark Hamill has no filter, and he loves Batman and Star Wars. They're his favorite things. Yes. And they're what have made him famous, and he is grateful and gracious, and that's why we all absolutely adore Mark Hamill. All of this stuff about, like, that people say in chat rooms about how Mark Hamill thinks they've ruined Star Wars is fake news. Yeah. I mean... That's not true. Mark Hamill didn't like Return of the Jedi. He, He thought Luke Skywalker should be, like, tatted up and look like like and be shaved like have a shaved head and just look like a straight up like thug and then turn to the dark side. Speaking of of, of Luke Skywalker, Skywalker looking thuggish, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that the only reason they wrote the Wampa scene to begin with, mm, no, not the car accident, no. Okay, so that, that that was George Lucas has denied that that was the reason. So Luke or Mark Hamill was in a pretty bad car accident yep. between the tapings of the first two movies and he did have some facial scarring i figured that's why they put the the wampa attack in there to kind of justify that well it would make tons of sense um and so if it was by accident then that's a great accident because it ages him like 10 years it does it really changes the way he looks as a person yeah uh and it's kind of a shame yeah Um, it is because he was quite handsome as a boy yeah and and it kind of gave him scarring at at an early age which is a bit of a shame but is what it is and uh yeah, they definitely play it right in terms of getting him attacked. But one thing about that that's kind of weird 
is yes, there's his bloody face, but he gets hit in the back of the head. Yeah, that's so true. the wampa takes him down by clawing, like knocking him in the back of the head and like bringing him down by the back of his neck. Yeah, but theoretically, but, he could have dragged him through the snow too. But before his face even hits the ground, it's covered in blood. Oh, I see. So that was one they could have taken back. Well, your worship, looks like you managed to keep me around for a little while longer. I had nothing to do with it. General Rykin thinks it's dangerous for any ships to leave the system until we've activated the energy field. That's a good story. I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. <laughs> and the look on his face is just so smug. Han has a couple of really great uh, big jerk face smiles yeah. in this in this 20. Yeah, really like just sticking it to you. Like, yeah. I'm going to really just push you to the Earth's end. Totally. Uh, and one great one from Vader. I just love it. It's the most. And you had one at the very end, uh, like a Tarkin line that you said, it's just so Tarkin. Yeah. This is just so Vader. Set your course for the Hoth system. General Veers, prepare your men. Prepare your men. You're right. Prepare your men. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is so, like... It's so simple, too, eh? But it's just this military tyrant, and I just picture the doors blowing off and Vader marching through. Yeah, and maybe it's just something about the the gravitas of Peter Cushing, but I kind of... I don't think anybody else does either. I don't get the uh, the sense that anybody in the empire besides sheev uh has any kind of authority over vader anymore the way tarkin used to kind of be able to talk back to him well he would talk back to him because tarkin had the unspoken knowledge that he was anakin yeah true and vader knew that as well and they had also worked together a little bit in the clone wars and they developed a lot of respect for each other and tarkin hated the jedi Mm -hmm. but he still respected anakin and therefore had even more respect for vader because he was the only one who turned over to align with their beliefs yeah uh, and so he has a, a high respect for vader whereas other people don't really know where vader came from they just like where the fuck did this yeah, just like this robotic like, guy with get the built force in a lab yeah like they did, probably think he did get built in a lab well probably some of them did yeah and that was kind of the interesting thing where um tarkin had just that knowledge about him but there's thrawn as well uh, mm-hmm. i mean thrawn's gone from you know the central parts of the galaxy at this point he's out in the outer rim are they gonna do him at some point well they've done him in rebels yeah uh and in my opinion extremely well i would be very surprised if they ever brought him to a movie though okay i would really be surprised but if they did Fastbender, christian bale Ooh. there could be some cool casting cool. choices christian bale when that was mentioned uh on on jedi council that was I thought that was really, could be a, an amazing choice. Let me give you my Jedi Master question, sure. which you're not going to get. What Star Wars character had a toy Wampa as a child? Star Wars character? Yes. So not a Star Wars, like not the actor. No, nope. not the character. Had a toy Wampa. You've said this person's name already in the podcast. We already talked about this person a little bit. <sighs> You suck. <laughs> you're going to stump me. If you didn't look up too. Wampus, you're not going to get it. No, of course I'm not going to get it. Um, let me think. Think about uh, who would have a toy Wampa. That's a person. Maybe we talked about them. Anakin. No, it was Jin Urso. Oh, really? Had a stuffed Wampa as a child. Yeah. I actually included it at the last minute. I was like, wait a minute. It's got to be one of the people that we've seen as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, is it Lando? And I was like, wait a minute. How would any of us know that? <laughs> you don't know boy Lando. Um, yeah, okay. Shit. That was, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't have thought of her over Anakin. 
Give me your last one. All right. We got to wrap this thing up. Uh, who does Han first tell that he has to leave? Uh, has to leave like the base? Mm-hmm. Um, you mean to go and pay off the his yeah. debts? Or better yet, what's the general's name? Oh, I know. I like that general, by the way. Yeah, I like that guy. I don't. I don't think he gets enough credit. I was going to bring him up. In fact, I certainly don't know his name. Same. So, uh, is General Riken? Riken. Yeah, Riken okay. with K. Riken. Yeah, he seems cool. He seems like he's got he's got the fort. Well, Leia was thrilled with him because he kept yeah. on there. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. So that worked. Okay. Uh, just one more thing right here is I know we mentioned it before, but Millie Bobby Brown, yeah, playing Leia, but. Oh my God! There's one specific part where she's looking at the door, and you, she has this just fear and sadness on her face because oh, yeah? both Luke and Han are out there, and you have John Ratzenberger over there just trying to not talk about it in front of her. Right. Um, but just the look on her face and the angle, she looks exactly like Millie Bobby Brown. She it's has ridiculous. A M2B they look. Going on? It, it could not be if it, when it comes to side by sides. If that ever like starts to get in the rumor mill more, yeah, that will be the, they will take that screenshot of Leia because it looks so much. I feel like, like M- her. Millie Bobby Brown is so mainstream now and like in a in an Instagram celebrity kind of way that the really cynical Star Wars fans would just think that it's a bad idea. Maybe, but a lot of the Star Wars fans are kind of Stranger Things fans. I mean, there's a lot of crossover That's true. there. That's true. She's look. She she. Could have done nothing more to prove that she is objectively an excellent actor. Yeah. And she's the right age. And yeah, you're right. She already has a lot of fan base. Yeah. Yeah. What's in the news? Let's go to that. Okay. Well, this is, like we said, this is a a week old, but I think the big thing going uh, right now, which is, like I said, more than a week ago, uh, Alden Ehrenreich gave an interview with Esquire Mm -hmm. and just casually mentioned that he has a three film deal with Lucasfilm. Yep. And... A lot of people are taking that out of context. They all, they have to sign those. Yes. That's common practice. It's a contractual thing. It happens all the friggin' time. It does not mean. No. At all that this is going to be a trilogy. No. It, it, it might, those might not even get made. Also, if they wanted to do a Lando trilogy, maybe they'd want to have Han in one of those movies. Somebody and else, they already have him locked down. Somebody else pointed out that if they want to do a flashback in Indy 5, they can use Alden because it's a Lucasfilm production. There you go. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, if they're doing a flashback, then I would say get Anthony and Gruber. If you don't need him to act well, he looks too much like him to pass I up. I know, but wouldn't it be kind of cool? It would be... A little interesting. It'd be like a cool gimmick, but I don't think it would would be a good idea. I don't think it'd be a good thing for him. No, because then he would just be painted as the worst Harrison Ford Mm -hmm. for the rest of his career. Well, he's already that. Well, no. I think he's going to define himself as a different version of Han. He won't be the top two Star Wars character that we all view Han Solo to be. No, look, I have a lot of faith. I do. Yeah, I know. But we let's let's call a spade a spade here. There is two people who's played Han Solo, and one of them's better than the other. Yes. However, I do not think that will define his career at all. No, it doesn't have to. No, I think he will very quickly find his own, and I think this could be a good stepping stone for him. Well, and the other thing is, I, I mean, fans are angrier and more bitter and cynical now, and they're also more opinionated than they were they 20 years ago. They also have a channel to they share have, their they opinions. They have a platform, that's right. But there had to be people 20 years ago who were like, Oh, so the guy from Train Spotting is going to play the great Obi Wan Kenobi? This is going to be terrible. Yeah, and probably. Now everybody loves that. 
Yeah. So it's it's got a lot of potential. And then that's the thing. It's just we have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, but there are so, there was uh, another shot to kind of a there weren't really many new things introduced, but a kind of different angles uh, shot uh, TV spot of Solo. Okay. Uh, so we got some cool shots of Corellia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a little bit cooler, a little bit less industrial, um, but pretty industrial still, but we could get some pretty cool shots from it. Yep. Some new posters came out. They look very original film. Yeah. Like they have like a, a kind of uh, a painted vibe to them, mm-hmm. which is really neat. They kind of look like the original Star Wars poster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, post-production is done on Solo. Yeah, I know. And Only four weeks out. So Ron Howard's shown it to a couple people. Good reaction so far. Who are those people? I don't know. Probably people who Execs. worked on the movie. Yeah. yeah. Or people who work for Disney. Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, this was a kind of a cool thing. Uh, apparently, Ron Howard also showed it on Twitter or Instagram or something. I didn't see it. But of Amelia Clark in Lando's closet. What does that so, mean? So, like, Lando has this extravagant closet in Solo. Sure. Because he's fat. He's like a big fashionista in this movie. Fashion cool. is his thing. Yeah. Um, and so like, there's like this in like sane closet, there's a shot of Kira in and she's just kind of like looking around. Uh, I have a feeling this movie is going to tell us a way more about, and this is not to discredit Lawrence Kasdan's, uh, Empire Strikes Back screenplay because Lando was an important plot device in that movie, Yep. but he didn't need to be a well-developed character. No. He had some development, sure, for having only like 10 minutes of screen time or whatever he has. But I think this movie is going to give us a ton of Lando. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... I actually don't think he'll be in it the full time. No. I think he will be, Lando's part will be done maybe two, three quarters through the movie. I uh, think it's more likely he or won't, the other show, way around. He won't show up until. Well, I, th- I think two, there even could be the fact in. that he could maybe only be in the middle third of the movie. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think this is going to be a very act based movie. Um, mm-hmm. I've only, I haven't heard those consistently as rumors. Yeah, uh, you're the only person I've heard really talk about that. Well, but yeah. You know better than most. But it's also. It doesn't align because there are shots of Han and Kira that are so clearly when they're younger. Yes. And then there's a shot clearly of them connecting and they haven't spoken in a long time. Right. So without a doubt, we're getting some form of flashback I here. Think so. um, it'd be cool if it would be done in more like longer acts. Yeah. Uh, but a few more things. Uh, there's some descriptions and bios on some of the characters from Solo. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Just a quick little small description of, of Han. Uh, rough and tumble, rite of passage story about a young guy defining himself and yearning for autonomy and being tested as an individual with his own agency for the first time. Uh, I, so love it. I love a coming-of-age tale. Exactly. This is the Han Solo who is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and is going to develop into the cynical jerk we see at the start of A New Hope. I love it. That's great, and that's exactly what I want, and so I'm really encouraged to see that. Yeah. Uh, but there's some decent bios on a few of the characters, um, Beckett and... Uh, that's and, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, and Kira and Val, which is... Um, oh, Tandy Newton. Yeah. Okay, I, didn't, I don't think I knew she was in this movie. Yeah. That's good. She's good. Yeah, excellent actress. So yeah, yeah. that'll definitely work in the favor. Always good to kind of just string those people in here and there. Right. The people that, and that's the thing, is Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Just subtly an amazing actor that they just put in this movie. Paul Bettany is going to have a hell of a month because Infinity War opens this weekend or five days ago as this podcast goes. <laughs> good point. So seriously, Solo and Infinity War within four weeks of each that's other. That's insane. That's a wild May. He'll he'll get a good pay cut. He'll get... <laughs> well, I mean, probably doesn't have a huge part in either movie. No. But an important part, sure. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And it's, it's, it'll definitely be good to have that on his resume. Yes. I mean, Paul Bettany doesn't need to beef up his resume, no. but it's nice to get a little refresher every once in Although a while. Although he never really became the A-list movie star. No, I think he's had more success uh, in a broader sense than yep. a lot of people. He's, yep. he's kind of tested the waters in a few different areas and... He does it for the art form, I think. I, I think you can kind of get that. Yeah. He's just, he's one of those kind of just, I don't know. You just assume that almost with the, with like kind of a highbrow actor like that. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel with Robert Downey Jr. And he was wearing the rose colored tinted glasses. Ooh. That's bold. That is bold. I know. Be doing that with Robert Downey. Yeah. I mean, that's getting in on his turf. That'd be like going on a talk show with Samuel L. Jackson and wearing a backwards flat cap. That would be what are you doing that'd be really stupid <laughs> it'd be even better if you were someone who had no business wearing one of those yeah like almost everybody like else. alden henreich or something <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, a couple different things here as well not too many more um second unit uh, director uh black woman mm-hmm. which is nice definitely a step in the right direction cool. ava duvernay yep. uh, oh, yeah that's yeah, yeah. A, like really a great sign and hopefully that's she directed the, a wrinkle in time uh, and i think that tv show seven as well uh, oh, okay i could be wrong on that but yeah. uh she's like best friends with oprah and apparently jj oh that's nice yeah that's really helpful yeah that works well good there are a bit of a spoiler alert here but there is potential that we're going to get our favorite little green jedi returning in episode nine as well uh, okay cool. there are reports that frank oz is coming back for yoda in episode nine are people cool with with his appearance in the Last Jedi? Like, yeah, some people were weirded out by how he looked, but other than that, it got great fan reactions. I had and I no think problems I, with how he looked. I actually liked it. I thought it was the best looking Yoda we've ever seen. Yeah, because I, I thought it had the perfect elements of like a really well done puppet yeah. that almost looked a little CGI. Yeah. It was it was perfect in my books. Totally, uh, true. it was one of my favorite Yodas in the sense that when it comes to screen time, per wise words of wisdom, it also might be the best Yoda we've had. Yes, some. <laughs> Freaking crazy lines in that movie. Too, oh my god, Jedi. Yoda is my all-time favorite. If I have to pick a favorite character, you say somebody different every week. Yoda, Vader, and Han are my always top three. And Jabba the Hutt for some reason. No, Jabba the Hutt's one of my favorite villains, and he's like a good <laughs> like peripheral character. But with Oda, my top three have always been Yoda, Vader, and Han. Yeah, that doesn't set you apart at all. No, nope. <laughs> that's everyone's. Favorite. That's everybody. I know that, but like <laughs> Luke Skywalker for me. Yeah, I never. I was never Fair the enough. Luke Skywalker fanboy as a kid. Um, and like for you, like I know Obi Wan was your yeah. favorite when you were a kid. Qui Gon, because yeah. when we were younger, um, oh, yeah, like those, the, like the prequels were, were big when we were kids. Yes, so like, those things really mattered. Do you have anything else, or are we going to shut this baby down? Um, well, we're going away on vacation, so yep. I'm going to read Last Shot and finish Ahsoka mm-hmm. while we're there. So that'll be good. I can have Last Shot under my belt going into Solo. So, so I'm we come back, I'll have an even more greater wealth of knowledge. Exactly. All right. Thanks for joining us. If you have uh, any questions or comments about the podcast, you can tweet us at Recorder66, or you can email Recorder66Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us like a little voice memo from from your phone, uh, we'll air it on the podcast. That's never happened before, but that would be kind of cool. Surely I've said something that's incorrect, so if you feel like correcting me. I probably have to. I welcome it. In the meantime, uh, enjoy uh, the second 20-minute section of Empire Strikes Back, and may the Force be with you. (laughs) 